Sonic States. What's called? Coming up on this week's Sonic Talk, we revisit the Pro Tools 10 announcements and take a deeper look at some of the ramifications of those new features and the strategy that Avid are now pursuing. Are Apple going to axe their flagship desktop machines? And finally, we announced the winners of the Sonic Talk theme tune competition. At 43 entries, it was a tough decision, but we've got the top three for you. This week's Sonic Talk is brought to you by Yamaha Pocket Track Recorders. We want to thank them for the continued sponsorship of the show, and they want to tell you about the W24 and C24 small, very small format, 24-bit 96K pocket recorders. Please do check them out. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sonic Talk number 241. I'm free from the headphones this week. I thought I'd uh, show my shiny head for some reason. Now I'm looking at the picture. Seems like a really stupid idea now I come to think of it. But anyway, welcome on and all. This is Sonic Talk number 241, recording live on Wednesday, the 2nd of November, 2011. Uh, And we are... uh, joined by a number of people uh, in the chat room uh, i should mention now we've got the chat room if you're wondering what i'm talking about uh, sonicstate.com forward slash live uh, that's the url there 4 p.m uh, uk time and there's this live stream together with all the unedited uh, filth that comes out of our mouths that doesn't make it into the final version of the podcast well worth listening to plus uh, you can engage with the giant turbo brain that is the live chat room which is a fantastic uh, resource for everybody i hope anyway i want to say hello and welcome to all our guests and we'll start i think uh with let me see let's say hello to rich hilton there who's uh, in a slightly different part of uh, the world there rich how are you rich um i'm well thank you I hear you've uh, you've been you've been dumped on by an enormous amount of snow where you live, right? Well, we had a very severe storm last Saturday where incredibly wet and heavy snow fell very quickly onto trees that still had leaves on them and uh it took down a ton of trees and a ton of power lines and apparently is the worst disaster power disaster in the history of the Connecticut Power Company and so uh fully 60 to 65 percent of the state and 99 percent of my town were and to some extent still are without power oh geez so i am so you're not staying you're not staying at home presumably because it'll be chilly there right no we've been very kindly given uh accommodations elsewhere so that uh we can continue to live a fairly normal and non-freezing cold existence but there are a lot of people up there living in their 40 degree houses right now wow that's tough it's cold it doesn't it's look cold, it man. doesn't look like that's what's happening there you look like you may be ensconced in a rather uh, fabulous um, audio facility by the looks of things <laughs> this is this is the studio this is uh the studio at niles ah okay is that a neve in the background yeah cool it's a so- neve uh, melbourne 5302 from 1971 oh beautiful and right here behind me you can see the end of a Prophet 08. Ah, yeah, I see it. Which at this end is autographed to Nile Rogers from Dave Smith. Sweet. And uh, beneath that is just a generic uh, M Audio Axiom Pro 61. Cool. So um, I, yeah. I, I hear you, you've got a, uh, as well as a new video shot, you've got a, a, a pretty hot audio route audio path i think you told it in the preamble of the show just run it by me one more time you sound very fulsome and lovely but different to what you normally sound what's your mic i'm using uh neumann u87 into uh universal audio la 610 mark ii signature edition preamp and compressor 
And straight into the DigiDesign 192 interface. Beautiful. And just to think it's all going to end up at uh, 64kbps yeah. MP3. I feel so, I feel awfully guilty now, Rich. But anyway, welcome. I'm glad you and your family are safe, and thanks very much for joining us. So uh, we'll now say hi. Uh, we have over here, we've got uh, Mr. Dave Spears from G4 Software, who's also in, in at a house. How are you, Dave? Oh, you've, you've changed the lighting for it. We've got that I'm nice... I'm in a darkened uh, room. Nice Wurlitzer banner behind you. Yeah, and if I play it... Should be able oh, to see it. Beautiful. Lovely. Does yeah, there you go. Excellent. Uh, and I'm going through a Samson mic. <laughs> yeah, the cheapest I could possibly find <laughs> that I sent. <laughs> sent I've got to... no light and I'm going through a Samson mic. <laughs> well, anyway, it's glad to have you. G4software.com, maker of fine musical instruments. I'm very pleased to have you aboard uh, as ever. And uh, we'll can... say hello to, uh, let's see, we've got Gaz Williams there. If he starts talking, I can flip to, I can catch him at the right side uh, of the sky. Uh, yep. Uh, hello, 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 Gaz. How are you, Gaz? Uh, Gaz Williams there, songsurgeon.co.uk, our, our resident player and uh, uh, Welsh producer based in Bristol. In fact, um, those of you watching pre-show might have seen a little bit of a preview of an iPad pilot we did um, on Monday, which I think has turned out very well, Gaz. But Gaz Williams, songsurgeon.co.uk, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. I've been, um, I've just, well, I just had a couple of hours spare just before the show. So I've been um, playing with a, 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 an additive synth on the, well, actually on the iPad, but um, I haven't really used additive synths much other than sort of like kind of organs. And um, it's very addictive, isn't it? In fact, the synth I was using was called addictive synth, but um, yes, very nice, very nice indeed. I've uh, not used any kind of. Uh, um additive synthesis at all i don't think i know i'm pretty sure we talked about it once on the show and uh i just uh, all it was seemed to be a vehicle for my complete ignorance on the subject so i'm going to keep <laughs> my mouth shut about that but anyway guys yeah, thank you very much so. for joining what's that let's have a look at that oh so what is that draw you drawing is that a, a modulation envelope or a waveform uh, that's like a waveform and uh and then uh, if i go to the uh you can add partials and things and i've, I've been using this kind of like Ooh, that's like quite pen. sweet so just uh, and it and it sounds great as well. Um, well, <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, well, maybe we'll cover that on uh, a further episode of the iPad Show coming very soon yeah. to somewhere near you. And uh, we'll also say hello. We have PJ Tracy in the house uh, in Minneapolis, a studio owner, Emmy-winning uh, composer, pianist. Um, how's the weather where you are, PJ? Unseasonably warm. Um, we are having a spate of. A resurgence of early fall here, I guess. Uh, it's supposed to hit 60 degrees Fahrenheit where I am today. Wow. Uh, it, it's very unusual that this part of the world um, fares so well and richest part of the world uh, gets hit with such a monstrous uh, calamity as the weather that hit the east coast of the United States this week. So I, I really I feel for you, Rich. I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're, that you're doing well and faring well. Um. Yeah, it's been great here this week. I took delivery of uh, both an iPad 2 and ah. a Native Instruments machine. So really? I'm knee-deep in new technology, yeah. Which yeah, one have you spent fun. the most time with? Probably the iPad, because it's the most portable. Right, interesting. Yeah. yeah. But you, you, Although, did, you and, did say yeah. that you were going to get into machine world, and it sounds like, uh, sounds like you really have. 
I did. And uh, actually, I just took delivery of that yesterday, and I've had the iPad since late last week. So um, I've also had more time to spend with it. But uh, both are highly addicting. Um, Machine is a lot of fun. Very, very solidly built. Um, I appreciate the the construction that went into it. It feels it feels like a real machine. Um, setup and integration with my current system couldn't have gone easier. However, uh, at the same time, I decided to upgrade to Complete 8 Ultimate. And when I took delivery of the hard drive that that shipped on, uh, it was dead on arrival. Oh, man, and, that's a drag. And yeah, and upon investigation, apparently uh, this is not, I'm, I'm not an isolated case. There are dozens of complaints on the NI website. Um, however, NI appears to be kind of cagey about it. I wonder if it was and, a bad image that just got cloned. Yeah, I'm not sure. the The drive itself is cheap. Um, you know, it's a three a three point five millimeter drive that's in a very very flimsy USB two point um, enclosure, and it's not packaged very well, so it can be um, you know jostled about. But that's it did power up. Um, the The problem was that there was no volume on the drive at all. So I think I think you're right. It has something to do with the image. Um, Fortunately, I bought it through a retailer in the U.S. I highly recommend Sweetwater. I know they um, they have in the past at least uh, advertised with you, yeah. and um, they will uh, they will remedy the situation immediately if you happen to buy through them. So they're shipping me another drive as we speak. Excellent. Um, great uh, great quote in the chat room there. Um, complaints from uh, from uh, <laughs> a Happy Fun Team, spelt with a K. I quite like that. No, that's a. a a brilliant example of the turbo brain engaged there, I think. <laughs> well, uh, it sounds like you're going to have a whole bo- lot of fun to, uh, to uh, in the next couple of weeks. So I hope you, I mean, I hope in many ways you haven't got as much work as you usually have so that you've got time to play with all this stuff rather than have it sitting in a box until you've got time to set it up. Yeah, unfortunately, that isn't the case. Uh, I mean, I guess fortunately, I'm 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 kind of knee deep in work right now, so uh, it'll be a while before I'm able to actually drill down into a lot of this stuff. But uh, there was a library that was Contact Five specific, so I thought it was the time to um, that I that I wanted to start using upgrades to some patches from a library that I that I love, and uh, I just thought it was time to kind of pull the trigger and sort of rebuild the system right so well, I look, yeah look forward to it excellent well um that's fantastic and i think uh, what i want to do to start with this week was really just uh, go back a little bit rewind if you like um and talk a little bit more about pro tools 10 because i know we chatted about it last week and uh, not being a pro tools user i felt perhaps i missed a couple of tricks on it and very kindly a chap called steve asselman um, sent an email in and kind of said that he'd been doing a bunch of research and one of the things that he found uh, was really interesting was a whole bunch of uh I go to the, uh, I think it's here, this page here. On the Pro Tools user blog, um, Russ did a review which uh, highlighted a whole bunch of things which I hadn't been made aware of. And that was very interesting. One of the things was the idea of the timeline cache, which is something that allows you to um, basically cache the entire, I think he used, in his example, he used uh, four megabytes. And it allowed him to really mean that it's super, super fast. I think I've got a little video here. If I play, I might be able to play that a bit. Let's have a look. It just demonstrates how quickly you can jump around the timeline once he's set it up.
So I, I know that's probably difficult, but that's a quite a big session. And, and, and there were a number of other issues which were also highlighted, which I thought was quite interesting, was the fact that um, basically where um, you appreciate, he says, the pre, uh, blah, 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 he sat in front of his Mac and he, was, he said he was like a silly little kid and spent about two minutes dropping the cursor uh, all over the timeline, just to kind of, <laughs> just just because it moves so fast. I, in fact, there was something that he uh, that he mentioned later on in the review, which was quite interesting. He said, "It's uh, operating Pro Tools in this fashion was a bit like taking a a large um, a fat old dog who you have to take for walks, and it just lumbers along. Yes, it works, but it never feels like you're flying. And this seems to address that, which uh, is something I hadn't been made aware of, and I thought it was worth mentioning. Also, the whole thing about the AAX plugins. I mean, we uh, we heard very much from Dave's point of view, which is kind of a developer point of view, in terms of how much of a drag it is to to code for a new plugin format. But in fact, the uh, on the on the flip side, there were some other interesting points on this, which were the fact that. Obviously, before uh, version 10, we're talking audio units, VST Mac, VST PC, RTAS Mac, RTAS PC, TDM Mac, TDM PC. And with 10, you're talking audio units, VST Mac and PC, and AAX, because that replaces all of the flavors of RTAX and the TDM, because they're multi-format. But I wanted to give uh, Rich Hilton a chance to uh, talk, because he is a Pro Tools user. And you presumably, uh, you also went to AES, right, Rich? I did. And did, what were your thoughts? Because I, I, we didn't get a chance to talk to anybody who was a Pro Tools user. So uh, that's why I've revisited. Because I think, actually, this could be quite a monumental shift in terms of uh, doors. I mean, how do you feel about it? Is it a drag or will you have to rebuy everything? Because there are already some AAX plugins coming out, right? Yes to all of that. <laughs> Every single question you just asked, I, the answer is yes. Is it a drag? Will it? Will it? Is it a big deal? Is are there new plugins out? It's all yes. Um, I think Pro. Uh, here, here's my unique take on this. I think Pro Tools 10 is a transitional release. I think they realized that in order to be able to implement their software in a 64-bit world, that they were going to have to make a ton of drastic changes, starting with losing TDM. Uh, which therefore eventually loses your current in a interface uh, style, apparently. And uh, just making huge changes to the whole architecture of the program that are supposed to be uh, making it far superior. Now, among those changes are two enormous pieces of what I consider to be audio irony. Uh, and one of which you referred to already, which they referred to, I think, is extended caching or something, which essentially means you can reside your entire big fat session in RAM now, uh. outside of the outside of the program's two gigabyte RAM allotment. You can use the rest of your RAM or some significant percentage thereof to uh, to house your entire session's data, so that that is what gives you this instant semi instantaneous random access uh, motion that you see, and no doubt it is considerably faster, though I haven't operated it, than accessing disks, even the fastest disks available at the moment. But I find this ironic because for the last 12 years, we've been selling products on the strength of their disk streaming capabilities and how wonderful it is you can access all of this enormous pile of data, say your, your 50 gig piano, ivory piano or whatever it is, you know, um, and so for 12 years, we've been moving away from uh, residing everything in RAM, and now all of a sudden, it's a feature. <laughs> Is that because RAM... So that's well, sort of... Well, the, the RAM's always been a limitation, though, I suppose, and now, because you can just put, you know, whatever, 32 gigs or more in 64-bit systems, then it's no longer a problem. Exactly. 
That's true. That, no, there's a lot of good reasons for it. It's just ironic in that we've been getting away from this for all of these years. And now guess what? It's back. And when your computer crashes, you've got to reload the RAM and such. Um, and another little bit of irony is this, that for 15 years since VSD first appeared, the the proponents of the native formats have been waxing enthusiastically about how much better floating point 32-bit math works in a mixer architecture and why you get so much less distortion and that Pro Tools' enormous limitation is that it's a fixed point math due to the nature of the way TDM works and the cards and everything else. Well, guess what the new feature is now? And, it, and not only is it a new feature, it's almost as though they invented it. 32-bit floating point technology. <laughs> so like among their most touted features are... The technology they've been defending against for the last 15 years. No, no, no. Ours is fine. It sounds just as good. The technology that we've been moving away from for the last dozen years in terms of disk streaming and RAM resident uh, samples and, and audio files. And then add to, what, what, uh, there was another feature that was just the, oh, the clip automation, which is a wonderful thing. Everybody loves it. Everybody swears by and it. Real-time fades as well. That was another one, wasn't it? Yeah, the real-time phase, which speeds up the operation because it's not reading from this enormous folder of fade files. But the clip automation is something that's been present in other people's systems for years. So a lot of this feature stuff, the 32-bit, the clip automation, uh, not the RAM thing, but it does harken back to days gone by. Uh, it's all sort of relighting old fires on some level or fires that other companies have been lighting for years already. And it's sort of a catch up release. And on so what I believe they're doing is they're laying the groundwork by selling you Pro Tools 10 32 bit software and a new interface and these new cards. This is all to seed the marketplace with devices into which they can then invent or or release their 64 bit platform. Because I have a feeling everything up to now wasn't ever going to be compatible in a 64-bit world. Yeah, maybe that's so. My so take on transition. It. Well, I mean, times, they are a-changing, that's for sure. And it sounds like that that's going to be uh, a challenge uh, for everybody. It just depends on how they do it. I mean, historically, it's not always been the most client-friendly transition. In fact, it uh, usually costs a packet <laughs> for everybody. Well, you know what my price is to upgrade my TDM HD software? No, Pro Tools nine to Pro Tools Pro Tools nine, which is as we've pointed out about a year old or less, to Pro Tools ten for a registered uh, HD user, the software upgrade before you talk about cards interfaces or anything else, just to run the software with the clip automation, right? Period, almost period, because the you, you, yeah, I think you get the RAM resonant bit, but you don't get thirty two bit floating because you're still using your TDM cards unless you trade those in too. So just the software is a thousand bucks. Whoa, okay. That's a lot of cash. Well, considering they asked me for 600 bucks last year, well, I guess I got an upgrade for three. But still, that's a big pile of cash, and I know a lot of people who are mightily pissed off about it. As ever. I mean, this is the thing. We're never, because we've, we've been through this with the, the change to TDM, the change to HTTDM, and the, all of that, you know, the different cards. I mean, it's the same every time around, I guess. But this is... Somehow seems less, um, I don't know, less less definite because it's it, like you say, it's a software thing, and it's just for that. Well, well, then, then when we get to the cards and the interfaces, here's what's up with that. 
the the new card supports much much greater delay compensations. I think 256 voices per card now, and um, you know their new architecture and stuff, and they runs these new plugin styles that, you know, what I've been running pretty much strictly in native world in RTAS in my sessions since I tested it and found that it would work, except for one or two features. So anyway, I'll be able to move down from two cards to one. The question is, and I opposed it to them, will you accept two cards and trade towards one now? Because in the past, they never were willing to do that. And they told me that they would. Oh, well, that's kind of a big deal, right? We'll find out how big a deal it is when they tell me how much they're giving me for the two cards. Well, yeah, it's, ten, it's, it's one, ten thousand bucks for the basic one card system, is what I recall from as the, a retail. As a retail, yeah, yeah but pretty much every five years you end up spending between five and eight grand with these people to rebuy the same system you're already using. Hmm. That's sell. just how they operate. That's how they stay in business. And this one, what's bug, what bugs me about this is that it really is a transitional release, and they're playing it like it's a big deal. And I, the only reason it's a big deal is because they want to take a big pile of your money and seed your environment with gear that they can then build a 64-bit environment into. And so to that extent, I mean, I don't blame them for any of that, and I understand on a business level why they do it, but um, that's the way I see it. Wow. Well, I, thanks very much for your take on that, Rich, because uh, that's something that we were perhaps lacking a bit last week, not being such so immersed in the world of pro tools but i just wanted to add those those extra facts and get your point of view um we should actually say um well before i take an ad a word from our sponsor i'm going to uh now um just mention that we have a winner in the uh, sonic talk theme tune competition so stay tuned and you'll find out who it is Anyway, um, right now, I want to say thank you very much to our show sponsor, of course, Yamaha. Uh, what you're seeing here, if you're watching the live video stream, are some handsome shots of the C24 and W24 pocket recorders. These are quite possibly, if not the world's smallest and lightest 24-bit 96K PCM recorders. Uh, the W24 also features a wireless remote control, <coughs> which is brilliantly handy because if you're recording a gig, you've got something up on a mic stand at the back of the room, you can just kind of pause it and record it without having to climb up a ladder or get it down. And it's uh, it's all good and handy. Uh, both uh, high-capacity storage with 2 gig built-in memory and micro SD cards, quick startup, ready to record in only 4.5 seconds, which is, is actually quite a big deal. If you've ever used a digital camera or anything that takes a long time to boot up, you'll realise how much you've missed <laughs> in that moment. Uh, it comes with uh, Cubase AI5. It's got two great practice aids. A tuner and metronome. The C24 is uh, doesn't have the remote and is even smaller than the W24. Weighs in at 57 grams, if you can believe it, ladies and gentlemen. So anyway, if you want to head over to yamahadownload.com or yamahasynth.com, find a Pulse store if you're on the UK, uh, take maybe some memory in, record some things, take it home, have a listen, see what they sound like. Uh, and same thing in the if you're in the US, if you um, maybe head to one of the larger dealers, I'm sure they'll have them in stock and you can try one out, take a listen. And uh, we, we once again, we thank Yamaha for the continued sponsorship of the show. Right then, folks, uh, let me see. I, I, I'm sorry, I, I won't bring anybody else in because we kind of covered that part of it last week. So I think, you know, if, if, if that's all right with everybody. Um, let's see. Well, do you think we should do Mac Pro thing or the fruit is Fruity well, Loops for Android? Nick, yeah. Nick, there's one other thing. There's two other things I wanted to say. One of them uh, relates to last week's show. You did a review of the uh, Moog filter module, the 500 series. Yeah, we did. Uh, we talked about it. Yeah. Module, and I have a 500 series rack right over here. Aha. Uh-huh. And I think that um, I think it's an amazing looking device. It I does look beautiful. I think it's really sort of a narrow niche product, but I think that for a guy who plays who records 
a guitar player like I do all the time, it'd be a great thing to have in my uh, 500 series rack. And I'm re- I'm really quite excited about it. And what would you be using that for necessarily processing or fil- I mean, like filtering in a sort of EQ sense or? Filtering his guitar on the way in if he wants that sound. Right. Cool. With a Moog filter. I mean, I have the pedal somewhere, but this way I don't have to go looking for it. It's sitting right here in my rack. I'm serious, you know? Somewhere we've got the pedal, but, you know, sure, if you got it in a rack. and I can, I'll, I, They think, seem to think we're going to find a thousand other great uses for the thing, and my jury is completely out on that subject. But I happen to record a guitar player for a living, and I'd love to have one of those things in my rack. Excellent. And then the other thing I wanted to tell you was that when I was at AES, I spent a bunch of time with Stefan from Celimony in the Melodyne booth uh, talking about the integration between Melodyne and the PreSonus software that they've achieved and that whatever that new acronym is that describes the deeper relationship between Melodyne and the host. But, ARA, uh, yeah. yeah, ARA, that's it. And, um, and uh, my sense, I had stated that if they didn't continue developing Melodyne Studio, which they've sort of let lay on the vine for a couple of years now while they've been developing all this DNA stuff. If they didn't do that, then it might be nice to have a a side-by-side multi-track environment into which to work that sort of thing. But apparently they are going to be continuing to work. Yes, I think they made an announcement. Isn't there? There's a new version of Studio, right? Or coming. Yeah, maybe it's coming, but uh, he is working on it. And uh, all in all, just wonderful folks and uh, really cool people. And he's just as excited as we are about this uh, deeper integration of the Melodyne into the work in- workflow environment for other DAWs. And he's hoping, of course, that others will jump on board. Cool. Well, thanks very much, Rich. Thank you. Sure. Um, right. I was wondering whether we should uh, whether we should bother with Fruity Loops for Android uh, or whether we should go straight into the Mac Pro thing of a past, which was uh, the only thing, the reason was I actually have a, a video of the uh, Android app. But seeing as we've all just got iPads, it sort of feels a little pointless. Maybe if I just play it, you can see that it's running and then we can go on to the Mac Pro thing anyway. Let's give it a little bit of a breather. Here we go. This is the news that uh, Fruity Loops is now uh, running, at least in development, on uh, an Android device, which has always been a bit of a problem in the past because it's not good for low latency. And uh, ImageLine people have uh, have got something running, which is a major breakthrough. Anyway, they also go on to say, don't expect anything soon. Uh, we've got a long way to go, and uh, we just thought we'd show you what you were doing. But, you know, I suppose we're getting a little bit closer to a, a two-horse race at some point in the future with mobile computing, but still a long way off, probably. Uh, iOS is still way ahead and everything. But in other news, the thing that really kind of blew my mind, and I think something I alluded to in previous conversations when I was sort of thinking, I think we might be heading towards a death of the Mac Pro, uh, there seem to be a lot of rumours... Um, basically going along those lines so right now uh according to oops no that's the wrong one excuse me a minute according to uh, apple insider they say that the consultants among uh, consensus among sales executives for the cupertino based company was the mac pro's days at least in current form were inevitably numbered in particular internal discussions were said to focus around the fact that sales of high-end workstations to both consumers and enterprises have dropped off so considerably the mac pro is no longer a particularly profitable operation for apple 
Uh, and obviously now the new devices on with Thunderbolt and everything, um, are, are they going to give us what we need? I mean, this is the thing I've been dreading, really, because I love my Mac Pro. It runs this entire, entire thing. The architecture is sort of wonderful. Do you think this is uh, um, purely rumour, or do you think we are inevitably heading that way? Dave? Oh, I was hoping you weren't going to come to me. <laughs> <laughs> the way I see it is bloke dies, pivotal bloke dies, everybody's got an opinion on everything to do with Apple right at this moment in time. I hope it's not true. I really do, because I do like my Mac Pro, although it's been a complete pig over the last week. I've had to do all sorts of disc warrior stuff and uh, replacement of hard drives and stuff. Uh, but yeah, no. all I can say is I hope it isn't true. Otherwise, I'm going to have to get one of those massive iMacs with massive screens. Yeah, humongous. But they're not very, you know, and, and I think the part of the problem is has been that there's uh, the, the the latest version of the, is it Sandy Bridge, that they were expecting to get on these uh, for the Mac Pros has been sort of held up and it's actually kind of meant that uh, there's been lots of problems, really. And so well, they've and had to postpone this, it. There's so much stuff going on at the minute with this, um, not least the Avid stuff. We've now got, what is it, iCloud? Which means that I think Chris updated his phone the other day and now he can't get his emails from the place where he thought he could get them from. <laughs> My wife runs an iWeb website for her business, but now we're not going to be able to use that. I don't know. I'm kind of I'm thinking of becoming a plumber, actually. Lots of good money in plumbing. In fact, I'm looking for a plumber at the moment. So if you do swat up on uh, on some plumbing, um, I, I might give you a job. Maybe you could do it cheap because you're actually not at all qualified in any way or have any plumbing skills. <laughs> but it's it's a scary business, isn't it? I mean, I don't know, uh, Gaz. I know that you've been talking about um, the the thought of maybe ditching your Mac Pro and getting a, an i7, uh, either Mac laptop or, or I guess uh, iMac. I mean. Do you think this is yeah. just going to accelerate that process, or are you, uh, were you uh, seriously are you going to do that, or do you think we're still a way off? Um, I, uh, yeah, you know, uh, I think I am going to do it. You know, so if anyone wants a Mac Pro eight core, yes, please, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just. Uh, but partly because I do do a lot of mobile work, so I've been taking out two units. I've been taking out. Uh, I've got a Mac Pro laptop, and then uh, and then I got my. Uh, studio mac as well so i just kind of think you know just getting one maybe really that's kind of what i'm thinking because uh, a friend of mine who's got exactly the same mac pro as mine an eight core one he says that the i7 um 17 inch i7 macbook pro is as powerful or more powerful than it so you know um it's the io uh, and all the connectivity and all the ports and stuff that really because I, I don't i mean yeah okay they're going on about thunderbolt being like this yeah you can run loads of displays off it loads of high speed is io but frankly i've not seen any evidence of this yet it's too early to kind of consider that well the um you know the, I have. have you they've uh, released a monitor they've released a monitor haven't they a screen sort of I, um yep. which has got uh which has got all the io you know, it built into it, so you, you know, so just, which is quite, which is the way I would like to go. Actually, have one of those screens in my studio and have the I/O, you know, attached to everything in my ah, studio. Ah, so you take your laptop out and then just. Go and to it's a just different... a one. It's just a one lead. Well, in fact, it's got the power lead as well attached to it. So you know, it just makes integrating it into a, into like a bigger 
rig, you know, mm. very, very easy. So I think that just seems very tempting to me because you'd have, you know, oh, so everything would be attached to your monitor out of the, the ports on that. And then just, you know, so it's just simply in and out, really. Quite tempting. Lots of good information coming in from the um, from the chat room. The iMac can now have two drives. And, uh, Rich, I heard you say, I have. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Because, I mean, I'm guessing you've got, you know, we've just been talking about Pro Tools rig, which is a whole bunch of cash invested in, in Mac Pro hardware, though I'm guessing there'll be some sort of bridging system device or whatever that will enable it to run with other stuff. Maybe, do you think? Well, funny you should mention it. Uh, while at AES, actually, I was on my way out when I stopped at the Magma booth, uh-huh. where they were showing their three-slot PCIe Thunderbolt chassis. Ah. Now, that's going to sell well, I'd imagine, if they get it right. Well, particularly if we're all going to be doing our DAWs on IMAX from, you know, from here on out, if, if that should turn out to be the case. Now, in my own case, I did purchase a brand new iMac this year, 27-inch with an i7 quad processor. And I'm sitting here at the studio at my, I don't know, two- or three-year-old uh, eight-core Mactopus, you know, Mac Pro thing that I use. And I'm not sure there's that much difference between them in terms of performance, and if anything, the i7 might be a little faster. Um, so assuming Thunderbolt is what it is. And we also now have a discussion about whether or not we all still want to run card-based systems, but if we do, apparently there's yet another magma box full of air that we can buy that will uh, accommodate those wishes. And uh, I used to refer to it as this $2,000 box of air. I think this is going to be the $800 box of air, uh, the three-slot Thunderbolt chassis. But uh, it'll be, you know... People will buy them, and uh, that's what we'll do. It'll be fine. You know what? Logistically, the biggest problem is for me is that the Mac Pro is back there in a closet. I've got all my connections going to that closet. Everything is basically based in a closet that closes the door, makes no noise. It's isolated from the room. It's a beautiful thing. If this monitor screen sitting in front of me is going to turn out to be my computer and my connectivity, I basically just have to rethink how to get things. Like, for example, your drives. I don't want... No, you don't 15 want your... external drives humming away at me on this desk. No. You know what I mean? And connecting them, you know, across a 20-foot, you know, range here is not particularly desirable. So certain aspects of it are going to be a pain in the ass for me because the noise of the drives, the external drives is going to suck. But other than that, computing-wise, it's probably fine. It prob- yeah. The thing that I, I'm going to miss is that, you know, well, I, I don't know the the monitor side of things. You know, being able to run so many monitors and such high resolution monitors. But I'm guessing it's going to be possible. PJ, you also said that you'd uh, you, you'd witnessed Thunderbolt in the wild. I had. I was referring to the device that Gaz was speaking about. I've I've seen that as well, and I think that that's probably the future of of docking your your Mac uh, Book Pro. Uh, to your studio setup would be to have something like that sitting on your desktop and then you plug it in and it provides all the IO that you need as well as a larger monitor surface. Um, The question that I have is whether or not I I would imagine that people like Glyph and iOmega and those uh, types of folks will probably come up rapidly with solutions for the problem that Rich just was articulating in terms of drive noise. Uh, You know, in the, I would imagine in the form of uh, you know, pro enclosures and that kind of thing that would uh, isolate the drives from the outside and provide uh, 
you know, noise cancellation and and cooling and all of that kind of thing. Wouldn't wouldn't you imagine? I would have thought so, yeah. But it's just still a big old yeah. box you're going to have to find room for in your beautifully designed control room. Sure, but that's you know no different than finding room for your for your um, MacBook Tower or your guess, Mac Tower, yeah, rather, so. your Mac Pro Tower. So I mean, I think what you're talking about more is a modular system now. You know, something that where you're you're taking the heart of it, which is your MacBook Pro out and about and you're able to use it and maybe one you know large portable thunderbolt external drive or something like that for location work or bringing it home and then you bring it to the studio and you hook it up to the larger system whatever that happens to be whether it's magma chassis and some kind of glyph or iomega enclosure with uh you know five six seven drives on it or 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 whatnot and that studio monitor it's just all of that driver business i mean i've had a nightmare just trying to hook up two monitors for god's sake you know on on this system you know i'm using two vga connectors two dvi to vgas and it works on the pc it works on the mac but it doesn't work on the pc in the end i found a year an hdmi adapter that i managed to split i mean it's just all of those little things that wear down and take you kind of hours days i mean what there are some interesting facts that i think i should probably mention here uh uh, several months ago, Apple began to uh, retreat slightly on its Mac Pro sales efforts. It stopped regular sis- shipments of the 12 core, which is uh, to, to retail partners. Only a handful of the company's authorized resellers continue to list the products as a special order item, whereas others have pulled the configuration entirely. Um, it's, it's basically being listed as currently unavailable. So, I mean, it's looking like they are not even making any more of these things to put in, you know, the 12 core ones, because I quite fancy a 12 core one, but it doesn't seem like they've made an awful lot of them. I don't know. I think I'm going to miss it. Dave, are you, uh, would you rather have um, a little tiny, you know, an, I, an iMac there? Or do you think you could kind of uh, learn to love the new, this new way of working? Uh, no, I'd um, to keep my Mac Pro. <clears throat> right. Definitely, or get a bigger one. In fact, I've got an issue with uh, drives, and I've been doing this whole thing, like I say, with Disc Warrior, and also looking at the console messages. Is one I've replaced an audio drive that was less than a year old. I've updated it to a two terabyte drive, and I'm just keeping an eye on the messages. And it looks like my disc I/O might be a bit screwed. So actually, I started to look. I thought, hmm, maybe I should just get another one as a backup. So I looked on eBay, and there's just nothing there. There's None. nothing around. They've it's held amazing. their prices. I mean, we bought this Mac Pro on eBay, uh, rec- well, last year sometime. It was 1,400 quid. It's a, it's a Mactopus 2.4, and they're still 1,400 quid. I mean, there's no, there's, they haven't gone down in price at all. You know, in fact, if anything, they've gone up a little bit. They're just holding their prices, and this is going to, you know, obviously maintain that status, I'm sure. Yeah, we'll all be buying gases up and then sitting on it for six months <laughs> punting it out at a profit no scary scary a scary situation but i don't know how much of this is conjecture i mean it does kind of fall in line with what you were saying about you know low-end stuff and high and super high-end stuff and this big gap in the middle but i'm not sure it strikes me as rumor there's, there's a lot of rumors in this business isn't there there certainly is <laughs> i'd like to dispel one rumor though of course and that is that uh if i switch to uh Oh no! Actually, well, I, I, there are the, the rumours have been flying indeed about uh, about the winners of our competition entry, because obviously we've had. I think we it turned out we ended up with forty three entries to the competition entry, to the wow. Sonic Talk theme tune competition entry. Uh, lots and lots of excellent stuff, I must say. And I feel that now it's time the votes are in, uh, and it's now time to announce the winner. 
uh, indeed, I'll play the winner. So um, if anybody is, if, if everybody is ready, I'm going to switch to uh, and reveal the, the, the top three. The, I'll just explain how we did it first, just so that there's uh, no, um, you know, that it was done very scientifically. Basically, what I did is I asked everybody to vote. Excuse me, my earplugs are falling out. Everybody to vote their top five tracks in descending order. So I made a spreadsheet with all the entries and the t- the. The first choice got five points, the second choice four, three, two, one, etc., etc. Then I just basically added them all up, and the winner with the, had the most points. It's fairly straightforward, really. And it was quite interesting. So uh, what I've done is I've selected the top three here in a little playlist, and I'm going to um, reveal them now. This is, in fact, your winner. Congratulations to Misty Mui. Oh, goodness. Hold on. Stop, stop. Oh, I've ruined the moment, haven't I? I just want to say congratulations to a chap called Misty Mui, who I can reveal is, uh, well, if you'd like to make yourself known to me, then I can, in fact, now um, send the head torch your way and you can tell us a little bit on how you made it. I'm guessing there was probably a little bit of East West Symphonic Choirs in there, if not. Uh, a lot of East West Symphonic Choir. Uh, and um, so, thoughts, panel. How did you feel about... Uh, it, I mean, the this one by uh, quite a significant lot. I'm just saying uh, the... If I just do the the sorting. That won uh, 27 points. It won by 27 points. The next one got 16 and the next one got 10. So quite a significant win. So, Dave... Well, it just I I, it just made me smile. I, that, that's kind of essentially why I, it won for me. I just thought that's brilliant, and it said Sonic State right at the beginning, and was just it's sort of ridiculously pompous. In fact, the end, the person who entered it said this is completely unsuitable, and just did it for a laugh. <laughs> but there's something about it, isn't there? I, I know PJ, you like this one as well. I did. I did. Um, you know, I think given the fact that we gave no brief whatsoever <laughs> except for 20, 20 seconds, seconds. Uh, I just felt like this somehow summed up the the nature of our show in that it, it well utilized music technology. Um, some kind of, you know, it was something that we pointed out before is almost like magic, being able to type words into a, a computer and have a, a sampled choir play it back. And it's singing the name of the website. And so it's, it easily articulates where we are and what we're doing. And I just, and it's fun and quirky and full of humor. So I, I just thought it was, I thought it was great. Yeah, and I think um, well, everybody kind of seemed to pick this one out. I don't know, um, Gaz. I'm just trying to think what your whether you. Whether, I think this one, yeah, this one was your second choice. So I mean, it's still it's up there pretty much with um, you know with the winners. A good use of technology, definitely. You know, because uh, um, the choir is actually singing the words. So um, you know, Sonic State. Dot com. So, exactly, all of those things. Yeah. But what a brilliant, uh, I mean, the other thing, uh, Rich, um, that was the other thing I was going to say, because I, I, I think this figured quite highly in your ranking as well. So, I mean, it was pretty unanimous, and we did get votes from other people as well. So, um, And I must agree, the brief was rather um, vague, apart from the 20 seconds thing. So, uh, But on the whole, what an amazing quality of entries, do you not think? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed listening to it. Uh, that's, that's what I can say. Excellent. And, uh, and I thought this was uh, very 
creative and clever and I enjoyed it. And uh, there were a few of them I enjoyed. And I think that the tw- the idea that any more instructions than 20 minutes should have been necessary is, uh, well, it's just not right to me. I think 20 seconds is all they needed to know. <laughs> 20 minutes. Now, that by the way, been. I thought, and by the way, I thought Dave's was brilliant. Dave Spears was fantastic. Yeah, it was a good one. Unfortunately, it was disqualified uh, due to the fact that it was <laughs> it was on the panelist. But there was oh. there was so I mean there were so many brilliant entries. I, I mean I just want to say that I, I was just totally blown away by the quality. And I'm going to play the other two now because the one that came second I think was really impressive as well. And I still can't believe that somebody would have made all of those notes just for us. And this was the uh, third third place entry coming up now. Fantastic stuff there. And uh, the second place was uh, by a chap called Dave Chick. Uh, and the third place was Marshall Arnold, which was, again, a really sort of pumping uh, track. Very contemporary sounding. And I, I just want to say again, I, I really enjoyed the whole process. And I was completely blown away, by, not only by the quality, but the number of entries. I mean, it's amazing that all you guys have got time to do this. And a re- it was very, very much appreciated. So the winner will receive uh, the... Marvellous head torch that uh, has been uh, mentioned. De- Rich can't unfortunately put it on because it's snowed in under a massive snowdrift in the middle of uh, <laughs> in the middle of Connecticut. And Dave's may well affect the delicate balance of light and dark that is in his uh, his home office stroke studio. Um, but oh, yeah. you also the winner will also not only win a head torch but will also be winning a G4 <laughs> synth pos- a G4 synth software synth of their choice. Plus, uh, we'll be doing. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking. I would like to talk to a couple of the editors. Certainly, the, the the top three people. I think we should talk to uh, if they if they are up for it. Maybe we can tell us a little bit more about what they use to make uh, and ha- any troubles or difficulties or the creative. Excuse me, the creative process that that helped them along the way. I'd really like to know. I think this is uh, definitely um, brilliant. And there were so many great entries that you know, I, I, my my top entry was didn't even make it into the runnings. But you know, there were just so many of them that it's very very hard to uh, to kind of pick out one in particular. Ah, Dave is sporting a head torch there, so you'll be able to do this now, you winner, Misty Mui. You are in fact um, the lucky winner. But again, I can't. I don't think I can state. Strongly enough, how brilliant I thought it was, and actually, I must say that I think this is kind of given me some ideas that maybe we should sort of try and do some more of this creative stuff and figure out a way of using it um, for the power of good somehow. <laughs> I think what, what what I'd also like to do. I don't want to waste everybody's effort, but I think we're going to use. Um, a number of these entries and just kind of play them out and, and use them as intros and outros so everybody will get a fair shout and a fair listen and, and, and fair credit for the work that they've done. Yay! So, I just a round of applause to from the panel to all you entries. Absolutely brilliant. Excellent. I loved it because it was just totally pompous. That's what I loved about it. What, the, the winning entry? Yep. <laughs> Yeah, there was. Some, I mean, there's some great tunes in there. I, I want to play this one just because I thought this was 
this this didn't mention Sonic State all that much, but it's a great tune. This is Super Mega Hyper's entry. This was my top one. <laughs> There are so many there that it's it's hard to pick out any. But anyway, I, everybody will get a play. And uh, once again, thank you very much to everybody who entered. And uh, yeah, I don't know what to say. I feel sort of humbled to a degree. Uh, th- and there goes the phone, which is perfect, isn't it, about this time? So I'm just going to answer that momentarily. <laughs> <laughs> so while he's on the phone, I'll tell you, I only did mine because I thought we were going to get about one entry. Uh. And I thought, uh, I can't leave the poor host can we we can't leave him hanging there we better put one in (laughs) (laughs) good there was like 50 what was it 40 something entries as ever yes my i think my lovely partner what time you finishing (laughs) i haven't finished i'm still going yeah there were so many so many everybody had favorites and uh i just yeah absolutely fantastic i mean i can't really say enough times how brilliant and uh and great it was. And thanks to everybody for taking the time to listen and make a choice because it was a difficult process because there was quite a lot of them, wasn't there, frankly? So, uh, yeah, brilliant stuff. Right, let me see. what's uh, what's. Oh, yeah, this was an interesting one. And this is this one time, perhaps one more topic. Um, and this was uh, from brain to door. And this was something that came up because I'm occasionally, I don't know if anybody else has the same thing. I wake up or I'm going to sleep and I just suddenly get a tune in my head and I kind of flesh the whole thing out and the whole thing is complete in my head. And then I've somehow... I'm usually not anywhere near anything that's going to enable me to actually make any noise or write it down. And so it gets lost in translation. And I wondered what people do, you know, what's the process for them? Because obviously you've got a lot more musical, I think, ability than I have, certainly in terms of playing. So can you hold that? So how does it work for you? I'm, I'm guessing PJ, does inspiration come in that way in a sort of flash? Where, and can, you, can you annotate it? Or how do you, how do you translate from your head to the speakers uh yes uh a lot of different ways uh recently i've started to utilize technology for that purpose so um on my various handheld recording devices i might hum uh something or uh you know, record a chord progression or that kind of thing into it. Um, the iPad, I think, is going to come in very handy for that kind of thing. Uh, but if it's an entire piece of music, um, sometimes the only way for me to do that is to either take the time to write it down or to go right to an instrument, right to the piano or an instrument, and uh, flesh it out right there and then. And I've been known to get out of bed in the middle of the night to do just that. Ah, Okay. Well, that's that. That's an interesting point. I mean, because I don't know if you've got the other links as well. I mean, maybe I'll, I'll we'll, we'll go to a couple of other people and find out. Dave, you're looking um, like you're mining for inspiration there somehow. You've got a uh, <laughs> with the head totally. towards. Well, how, how does it work for you? I mean, do you kind of do you just go with the flow, or do sometimes you get such a complete picture that you have to somehow get it down? How do you do that? I don't know. It's difficult now. Uh, now with kids and you know, like having to be sensible. I can't really. It's always that thing, isn't it? That when you're going to sleep and you're just nodding off, or you're just walking up the stairs to go to bed, it's like, oh, idea, idea, idea. 
And nine times out of 10, I used to just run down and work through the night to get it done. And then what was really interesting is catching some kip in the morning and coming back and seeing if it was worth being deprived of all that sleepover. Uh, but sometimes I really like the distortion that happens along the way. So mm. where you you have that complete thing in your head, but actually it takes on another form. And for me, in a lot of ways, that was almost more exciting than when it all came together kind of very expectedly and it was like, oh, yeah, okay, that's all right, next. But now I can't do it as much now. I do use on my phone, I've got a voice. God knows what would happen if somebody nicked my phone <laughs> and went through all the audio on it because it's literally like me wandering through shopping centres kind of humming and wailing and in the car waiting for the nipper humming and stuff like that. And occasionally, what's funny is to revisit those kind of later, having turned them into a track. And gone. Oh, blimey! Okay, now I can does delete that, that, it. Does that fit the initial idea? Because you, what you're humming is an attempt at poly- polyphony, presumably, isn't it? You're trying to kind of imply the rhythm, the feel, the space, the melody, all of those things. Well, it's funny because in the car, so I have to wait for my nipper swimming like pretty much every night, every week. So I'll use things like this. I'll be in the car and I use the steering wheel as a kind of tap, as a drum. So that'll good, give good me the kind of yeah. element of it. And then I can just play against that because what I used to do was just by humming it into a dictaphone or something like that, you'd lose the rhythmic element and then you'd listen to it like later when you were ready to do something and you'd just be like, oh, where's the one? <laughs> so, yes. Ah, I see. Right. I do love that process. I really love that process. It would I, be great I, if it was a way of getting it out. But it's funny because I, somebody I know keeps a diary and I really like this guy's writing. It's an online diary and I read it probably kind of once or twice a month. But when I went to him and said, oh, it sounds like there's trouble at Mill, you know, I hope everything's all right. And he basically came back to me saying, actually, what I start out writing, by the time I rewrite it and refine it and all the other ideas come in it barely resembles at the end of it it barely resembles what it originally started out at and that's what i like and i like that musically Mm. i kind of find the whole process of the loss of it just troubling somehow um, Gaz, I'm guessing because I mean I know you you know you did the five minute song for us and I'm uh, and have done that sort of exercise in the past and I'm just kind of considering how it works for you whether you have a similar or different process. Um, I, I mean I think uh, loop loop station type pedals and stuff is uh, something that I found really good for for things uh, for you know quick spontaneous ideas um, and to have them. Well, I've been used, I've had various ones in the past, but now I've got one on my phone, uh, and I find that really, really cool. So I just can just put it down really quickly and get it looping. Um, so and then I can start sort of maybe. Well, I've been like uh, you know overdubbing a few other ideas and stuff. Um, but the one I'm really looking forward to actually is um, I use an app on. Sorry to go iOS again, but on on my iPhone called Thumb Jam, and the new version of Thumb Jam, which isn't out yet, has got. Well, according to the the guy who's written it, a very very effective pitch to MIDI, oh. uh, built into the so that'd be in the iPhone. So you'd be able to sort of sing your sing your idea into your phone, and then um, you know, and then trigger trigger the sort of MIDI samples um, internally. Cool, interesting. I'm I, you know, it's not out yet, so it'll be oh, that, no, interesting I, to see. I, I must get Thumb Jam and try it out. I want to check that out. Um, yep. Definitely. So, uh, Rich, um, your go next. I mean, I'm guessing 
you know, I mean, you're you're musically trained as well. Do, do you find that you structure your ideas and can get them out because of the, uh, 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 some sort of process that you've learnt, or is it a completely different? Am I completely uh, barking up the wrong well, tree there? I've used a lot of different methods across time. I think the most effective method I see people use for the most part is to carry a handheld recorder of some kind, whether it's their phone or one of these little digital pocket track things or what have you, and just sing the ideas in. And to my way of thinking, it's not that you capture some enormous percentage of what this thing is living in your head. It's that you create a scenario whereby you'll remember all that later. Right. It's like the same reason you write lists um, to remind yourself of things. You don't have to write every single aspect of the thing. You'll remember the rest of it when you see that trigger thing that right. got you into that place. And as Dave said, if you don't, you the, the kind of what he referred to as distortion, where across time you'll end up with a slightly different result than you might have ended up with it that first day, is not necessarily a bad thing either. So, um, you know, to my way of thinking, to address the problem of how to most quickly capture an idea that one gets in one's mind musically, I find singing into a handheld recorder to be the most direct, quick, least technologically intrusive way to go about doing it. As it relates to this topic, however, I found the uh, the devices and the methods and the mind synth aspect of this topic incredibly interesting to me for reasons entirely unrelated to the stated problem that it was supposed to address. In other words, to me, in that moment of creative inspiration, strapping on some bizarre piece of headgear, adjusting six or seven sensors into place, and then <laughs> connecting it to some ridiculously complicated synthesizer in order to get anything like the sound you have in your head is not the most direct result, you know, direct route to the result. We're talking so here about the, the uh, emotive emo epoch, which I haven't shown. Yeah, all so. that stuff. It, it, to the extent that it's sought to address this question of how to quickly get more quickly facilitate a wider variety of people being able to very quickly get their ideas down, I still don't think you can beat the handheld recorder in the human voice. But yeah. I, apart from that question, found all of this other stuff incredibly interesting, and I would love to run across somebody who could actually control their thoughts and movements so well that they would be able to bring about a predictable result with something as complex as what they were showing in that video. I want to show you that quickly because I also need to just leave the room for a second. I'm going to play this video. This was very interesting. This is the emotive uh, hardware, which is a kind of human interface for, for, for measuring brain waves that goes into a USB interface that allows you to interface with the software. And this chap has created a synthesizer for it. So I'm going to just play this. Robert now. Alexander here from the Mind Ensemble. And some of you have seen some videos online and maybe heard about the group. And I just want to show you exactly how it is that we're using our brainwaves to generate music and to control musical parameters. And also give you a chance to try out some of this on your own. And so this is what the interface looks like. And I'll just play through some of the sounds here. Right, I'm sorry about that, folks. <laughs> Dave, uh, Dave is playing the fool there with the old elbow in the camera trick, which uh, I just managed to miss when I switched there. Um, 
That was kind of an interesting idea, though, this idea of being able to... Uh, uh, and we, I think we covered this before once, didn't we, when we, there was a, a, ta- a toy or a game that you had to control a ball moving around with a sort of headband on. And it all seems very imprecise at the moment. Um, do you think there's any, any likelihood that it's going to get better? Or Because, uh, I mean, that would be pretty amazing. Or if you could record those brain waves and play them back and have them interpreted so that you could then easily dissect it or do you think we're missing the point or i am missing the uh, point, more importantly perhaps perhaps uh along the queue of videos uh in the link that you sent nick there was an interesting video by uh presumably the woman whose development team created this uh brainwave controller technology mm-hmm. and she demonstrated um although a not very in-depth um demonstration how this the, the software is calibrated to your and it's not the synthesizer software this is uh control calibration software i believe for the device itself how the software calibrates your brain waves and then they demonstrated the calibration of uh a demonstrator presumably just an average guy um rotating a cube uh image of a cube three-dimensionally on screen counterclockwise right so it, it took about 12 seconds for him to think about rotating that cube and then the software calibrated it and then he was able to um with some facility rotate that cube counterclockwise and so it's interesting i mean i think if not extremely nascent and what you might eventually be able to do with this technology who it knows seems like but very it, very yeah it's very very early days yeah. isn't it? i mean 12 seconds to figure yeah. out to, to rotate a cube it's kind of yeah yep but you know who who knows and and whether or not there's anything that would it be a practical application for musicians making polyphonic music. I don't know, but certainly uh, interesting extrapolations could be made in terms of performance or, you know, fun things you could do on stage with technology like that. A great, great. piece of uh, humor in the chat room. Uh, as your head writes, it would be a great filter for those X factor wannabes because thinking you can sing is not the same as actually singing. <laughs> oh, very good. <laughs> very good there. Lovely. That's a uh, nice, nice little touch there. But, uh, yeah, it's an interesting uh, area. I know, Rich, I imagine you you might be slightly scornful of it because it just seems so imprecise and, well, just, it's almost binary, isn't it? I mean, you, it's, it takes such an effort to make something go on even. You know, it's quite difficult. Well, clearly the interface could use a little streamlining, <laughs> but I'm really quite interested in the possibility that somebody could manage their thoughts and facial motions to such a degree, and, and when we had the facial motion one, I don't know, a year ago, I, I said the same thing. The idea that somebody's going to master those motions into a series of uh, planned ticks in order to be able to execute a musical piece in a reliable way while a naked woman is walking in front of them or an earthquake occurs or thunder is occurring. In other words, to be completely impervious to your surroundings in order to be able to repeatably perform something. That's a very interesting concept to me. Um, and I, I yeah, I, I don't discount it. I just don't think it has anything to do with the quickest path to getting an idea down. No, I'd say that's probably correct, actually. I mean, it was something that uh, Mac Doctor, who uh, occasionally contributes to or helps with the topics quite a lot, yeah. found. And I thought it was quite an interesting set of links, even though. Um, Yes, it's still very early days, but that, I mean, it's an interesting area that we could, that as a, as a, you know, even though we're massively advanced technologically in some ways, this is an area that we are still so much on the, not even on the bottom rung of what we could possibly achieve with this well, stuff. 
So the other question I have is, do people really need to know what I'm thinking while I'm playing or trying to create music? Yeah, I don't know. You know, um, because I think for a lot of people, there are a lot of thoughts that don't, that you flash out and you, you, you get self-conscious about things. You look at the audience and you say, somebody said they, I'm supposed to imagine they're all naked. I don't know. You know, like, like there's just a whole different range of things that goes through one's mind. Like if I'm in the middle of a show with Sheik, for example, my mind is pretty blank and I'm just kind of like going with it. But in most kinds of solo creative contexts, you're thinking about a lot of different stuff while you're doing it. That doesn't necessarily relate to the actual sound that's coming out. Mm, that's true. Jim and Jar- should it? Not necessarily. I don't know. Uh, that, that's another interesting point. As Jim Jar, Jimmy says in the chat room, uh, let's face it, if, if you could summon that amount of control, why would you bother using it to play music? You could kind of uh, <laughs> right. master the universe or conquer, you know, some other thing. It's, it is, but it's, yes, it's, it's an interesting subject and one that I'm sure will continue to develop and provide us with the occasional topic for Sonic Talk. Right. Um, but at this point, I think we're probably at the uh, – we didn't get everywhere, everything done. But I think we're probably getting to the point where we should say goodbye and, uh, and, and just revel and bask in the glory of all of those fantastic entries for the Sonic Talk uh, theme tune competition. Once again, thank you very much to everybody who entered, everybody who listened, had an opinion, and um, thank goodness that your creative processes were not hampered or blocked in any way when doing that. So thank you very much. Rich is uh, firing. What's Rich playing there, then? I th- that looks like an Animoog I can see there in the corner. You've got that plugged into the system, have you? How does it sound, yes, through, the stu- do. how does it sound through the studio system? Good? It sounds great. Excellent. Well, um, so it's now time to say goodbye to everybody, really. Um, uh, and what I'm going to do is at the very end, I'm going to play the final three entries, and uh, you can in- all enjoy them in-, in the fullest. Of course, they will always be there. I'm going to leave them up so you can always take a listen. So uh, I want to say thank you very much, first of all, to uh, Mr. Rich Hilton there in uh, in Connecticut, uh, snowed into a fabulous studio facility. Some things are just a pain but i hope that i hope that you uh, you can get back to your house and uh, and warm it all up and get cozy and all of those things very soon uh thank you and next monday i'll be leaving for europe actually so uh ah, yes of course i'll be uh, in switzerland and england and spain and anybody who's around give me a call or write to me and we'll work it out excellent well i look forward to i'm, I'm gonna try and get up to london to see you i think that was the plan Okay, thank you very much. And also, uh, while I'm in this mode, we'll say thank you very much to Dave Spears for joining us. And also, thank you very much for donating an extra prize. That was fantastic. You are a beacon. You are a beacon of light in the uh, the area of music technology there. So, Dave Spears, G4 Software. Beacon of Tourette's. Beacon of Tourette's. Yes, thank you very much. And, uh, yeah, good fun. And congrats to the winner. And we'll also say thank you uh, to our other two guests. We've got Gaz Williams, whose video seems to have gone. But Gaz oh, Williams, uh, yeah, Gaz Williams, songsurgeon.co.uk. There he's paused in a sort of, you look like you might be doing something important there. So it's not an unpleasant still image of you. <laughs> but uh, thank you very much for joining us, Gaz. And also thank you very much for doing the iPad show, uh, where, which I will be posting very soon, I think. Um, and thanks for all your opinions in the chat room for that. Um, yeah, songsurgeon.co.uk. Thank you very much, Gaz Williams. Thank you. And of course, PJ Tracy, I uh, will say thank you to you uh, for joining us as well. I'm sorry that I didn't get out the information that the show was starting effectively an hour later, and I hope it didn't mean that you got out of bed unnecessarily. So, PJ, thank no, you very much. Not in the least. Uh, my my pleasure, and it seems like this happens every year. I always, I always, I always forget. forget. I always forget too. But Britain has the time change one week. 
before we do so. But, but thank anyway, you. thank you very much. And I'm really looking forward to hearing what you make of uh, your uh, journey with the iPad and also machine. I'm really interested to know how that goes. So thank you very much for joining us as well. I will keep you apprised. Thanks. And finally, um, there is the chat room. Thank you very much. The chat room, we've had a really good uh, bumper crop again this week, so thank you very much, everybody. And I'm going to play us out with uh, our top three entries, uh, starting with the, the winner, then second place, then third place. And this one is by Dave Chick. And finally, this one is by Marshall Arnold. Great, thank you very much.